Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read of how the birth of Jesus was foretold, certainly to Mary. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, and we remind ourselves that this is the Word of God. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So reads God's precious word. To that passage that we read earlier, I was sharing with the, peop the people on Thursday night, at the prayer meeting that um, a good few years ago, 2009, Edward Holloway very kindly gave me a book that is now out of print that was written by Leon Morris and it is called, <laughs> I've got a blank, The Story of the Christ Child. It is a great little book. And in chapter 1, he opens up chapter 1 with these words. The story of Christmas is the most stupendous happening in the history of the world. For it is the story of God sending his son to earth. It is the story of God's action for man's salvation. For Bethlehem leads on 
to Calvary. And that was a timely reminder, certainly for me, because I think it's true for many of us that, that sometimes we can just get so caught up with everything else that goes on round about Christmas that we can literally forget the whole reason for the season. We can forget that Bethlehem leads on to Calvary. And the nativity story is filled with so many interesting characters. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Mary and Joseph. There's angels, there's shepherds, there's wise men, there's, there's Herod, there's Anna, there's Simeon. And all of these characters have got something to teach us. Something to remind us that, as Morris calls it, the most stupendous happening in the history of the world. I don't know if that's how you feel about Christmas or not, but I trust it is. What I want to do this morning is look at the nativity account through the eyes of Mary. Because Mary stands out as a fine, young, godly woman. Her age is not given. But in this culture, she could, I emphasize could, she could be as young as 12, but speculation does no good as regards her age. And when you start to speak about Mary, part of the problem is that over many years, you fall into two categories regarding her. Either she has magnified and indeed exalted to a place and to a position way beyond what is right, which is wrong, if that makes sense, or is completely ignored and is given no recognition at all, which also I would suggest and seek to prove from these verses is wrong. Because when we read here what Luke records, I want to suggest that Mary has got much to teach us. I want to notice three things. Mary experienced God's favor. Mary believed God's word. And Mary accepted God's will. She experienced God's favor. What do we know about her? Well, we know that she is young. We know that she is betrothed, engaged to be married, and that she comes from a bit of a kind of backwater place called Nazareth and from very humble roots. And here she is. On the day that Gabriel decides to visit, she is just going about her everyday business. Maybe she was beginning to plan and prepare for her wedding. And then an angel appears 
and brings a message and an, 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 an announcement that will change this young lady's life forever and indeed the whole of humanity. The angel begins with greetings. And he assures Mary not only of God's favor, but also of the Lord's presence. Greetings, Mary. The Lord is with you. And quite understandably so, Mary is greatly troubled. I always encourage you to, to walk a couple of steps in someone else's moccasins. How would you have felt if you were Mary? Just going about your everyday business when all of a sudden Gabriel comes, greetings, the Lord is with you. But it's interesting to see that Luke tells us, and deliberately so, that Mary's cause of great trouble is not the sight of an angel. That's not what greatly troubled her. It was his words. And so Gabriel says, do not be afraid. It's amazing how many times fear grips people in the nativity account. And again he tells her, Mary, you have found favor with God. And, and it seems to me that as we read that passage, well known to us all, but it seems to me that Mary never ever expected anything at all like this to happen. How? Why? Was she highly favoured? Well, Gabriel tells her. And it's quite shocking, really. You will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Jesus and he will be great and called the son of the most high. God will give him the throne of David and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. That's the announcement that Mary heard. Mary, God is entrusting you to carry his son in your womb and through you, Mary, to bring this child into the world. And God was pleased to show favor towards Mary. And it was all of God. Mary did not earn this. She didn't even hanker after it. God, on the basis of his sovereign action, bestowed it upon Mary. And what favor it was to be entrusted by God to carry and to give birth and to bring his son into the world. Staggering. What trust God must have had in Mary. Not because there was anything special or anything divine about Mary. Her being highly favored is as a result of God's grace in her life. 
It speaks of what God has and will do in and through her, not to anything at all that Mary will ever bestow on anybody. And as we come, friends, as we come to this Christmas time, and as we consider afresh this most stupendous happening in the history of the world, then those of us who know Jesus, not as a baby, but as our Lord and Savior, we are also counted among those who are highly favored. We have found favor with God. We know his presence. We know his peace. We know his joy. We know the power of his Holy Spirit living within us, irrespective of our background or our education or of our wealth or of anything else. We know his favor through his sheer grace. Do you know something of the favor of God in your life? Mary, I believe, reflect, reflects the person who God very often unexpectedly chooses to use. As one writer says, Mary brings nothing on her resume other than her availability and willingness to serve. And yes, it's true. Mary experienced God's favor in a special once-only way. But we, we can know and experience his favor and his presence on a daily basis. She experienced God's favor. But secondly, notice that Mary believed God's word. Gabriel, Gabriel was only the messenger. And kind of what a job he had. You know, six months earlier, he had to go with a message to this elderly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and tell them that despite their old age and all the rest of it, they were going to have a child, which is a miracle in itself. Now he's got to go and tell this young girl that even as a virgin, she's going to have a child. What a job Gabriel had. But he is tasked with bringing God's message. He is tasked with bringing God's word to Mary. And he tells her what God would have Mary hear. Notice Mary's response in verse 34 to this outstanding announcement. Going to have a chat. How will this be since I am a virgin? And it seems to me that what is happening here is that Mary is not, Mary is not disbelieving either what God is saying or what God is going to do. 
It is not so much what is going to happen that's troubling her, but rather how. How's this going to happen? Leon Morris in that book makes a point that Mary's response is one of puzzlement, not of doubt. And, and, and who can blame her? Mary believes this promise. Verse 45 actually makes that clear. She just can't quite get her head around. She just can't quite, quite fathom how it is going to be brought about. It is a remarkable show of faith and trust in the word of God. Compare it to the response of Zechariah in verse 18. When he was also told by Gabriel that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son, his response was to disbelieve, as verse 20 would show. Yet here is Mary, one so young, on hearing it, believes it. But as I said, understandably so, she has a question. I'm sure you would have a question. More than one. She, she's a virgin. She's kept herself pure. Yes, she is betrothed, engaged to be married, which actually then meant almost as good as married. Yet up until now, up until this point, in her relationship with Joseph, and indeed, as Matthew makes clear at the end of chapter 1, she had no union, that is, she had no sexual intercourse with Joseph until after Jesus was born. Let me just kind of take a little sidestep here, friends, and let me just say that in this day and age of sexual promiscuity, where everything and anything goes, it is beholden upon the people of God, young and old, to live lives of purity and of holiness. Joseph and Mary stand as a good, godly example to any young couple preparing for marriage. Mary believes. She believes what God is saying to her, but she needs to know the how because she, she knows that, well, one just doesn't become pregnant. And Gabriel has delivered the message. And if we are honest, crazy as it seems, Mary believes it, but she wants to know more. That's what lies behind the house, not a doubt. She knows she's lived a pure life. She knows she's a virgin. She knows how babies are made. So she asks, and the angel answers. And again, let me just sidestep a little bit and say it is not wrong to question. Doubt, disbelieve, yes, but not a question. Read the book of Psalms. They're full of questions to God. And so Mary asks, what, what a conversation that must have been between the two. We just read these stories. We know them so well. Imagine this conversation going on between Mary and Gabriel. She asks how it will be, and, and Gabriel tells her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in the power of the Most High, 
will overshadow you, and the one born will be called the Son of God. That's it. That's all she's told. That's all we're told. And if Luke, who, as we know from the introduction of his gospel, searched all things carefully, and if you remember, is a doctor, if he doesn't go into any detail about the how of the virgin birth, other than to say it is the work of the Holy Spirit, then who am I to try and detail it? But the need to believe it is essential. It is one of the, the fundamental non-negotiable truths of the Christian faith. And as many as heard this message, as she has believed this message, as she has asked about the how, we see that Gabriel gives her a sign of encouragement. God often does that when we take him at his word. And he tells her that Elizabeth, her aged relative, is now six months pregnant because nothing is impossible with God. Press, press the pause button. What are you going through just now? What lies ahead? Nothing is impossible with God. You see, like Mary, we are also called to believe God's word. To take God at his word. To stand on every promise of his word. Because God has not changed, brothers and sisters. And still today, there is nothing that is impossible with God. Nothing. He is the author of life. All life comes from him. And like Mary, we need to hold on to that. We need to believe his word. Because you don't need me to up here telling you to know that sadly we live in a day and in an age when the word of God is maligned and when it is shoved aside and in some places where it is just outright denied, including the virgin birth. Yet it is in it that we find all that we need to know God and to know his will and to know his plan for us. Mary was favored by God. Are we not? Mary believed God's word. Do we? Finally notice that Mary accepted 
God's will. I have to say, I find it hard in all the scripture to find more words of commitment than what Mary stresses in verse 38. I find them truly, truly staggering. Notice what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What if we all took that attitude? See, two things stand out for me here in this kind of little statement of faith and commitment by Mary. It shows to, shows to us, I believe, shows us Mary's status. I am your servant. And it shows us Mary's surrender. May it be to me as you have said. And in relation to her status as servant, or as some translations have it, handmaid, which actually was the lowest kind of female servant that, that you could have at that time, Mary is showing just how much she trusted God. She is the Lord's servant. What does a servant do? A servant serves. And here she is, ready to do his will. What she has been called to do, God will equip her for. And that, brothers and sisters, is the same for us today. She, rec she recognizes, as all of us who would profess to be a Christian need to do, that we are his servants. We are a servant of the Lord. And Mary was and is willing to be used by God no matter, no matter what the cost may be. And we'll come to that in a minute. But this recognition of her status as servant, along with the, the opening lines of her song, and that's well worth a sermon in itself, her song in verse 47, where she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Shows us that, that she was just a simple sinner like us all. Why would she herself describe her status as a servant and why would she herself speak indeed sing of God her saviour if she did not need to be saved and there's a great truth that runs right through scripture here and it's this God calls and God saves in order that we might serve. And we see that in his choosing of Mary, in his choosing of Mary for this particular task, and in his choosing of you, whatever specific task he has for you, we see that spiritual greatness 
is not a matter of social class, monetary clout, or degreed background. Spiritual greatness and servitude is a function of the heart. She was willing to serve. We also see that she was willing to surrender all. And again, we know the story so well and we can just kind of, yeah, it's okay, it was Mary, we know it. Well, let's just kind of recap. She's young. She's betrothed to be married. But now, she finds herself pregnant. And she's having to live with at that time the shame of that and the gossip that she would have had to live with. And again, just as a little kind of side warning here, it shows us, doesn't it, that we don't always, if ever, know the full story of anybody's situation. Look at that, Mary. We also know, don't we, from Matthew's account that Joseph, on hearing of this pregnancy, and put yourself in Joseph's situation, on hearing about this pregnancy, he has in mind to divorce her. And let me just say that Joseph also comes in young, godly man. And what this shows us, brothers and sisters, is that this surrendering to God's will for Mary was going to be costly. Her reputation, her coming marriage was all up in the air. It cost her to surrender all. What does it cost us to surrender all? Yeah, and as much as I can see, Mary completely surrenders all. Do you know, that is one of the most difficult hymns I find to sing. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. That's what Mary's doing here. She places herself, body and soul, at the disposal of the God who loved her. And who by means of this promised pregnancy and childbirth was bestowing upon this young godly woman an inestimable blessing. That is where true blessing is to be found. 
when we, as Mary does here, surrender ourselves completely to his word and to his will. Because it is in faithfulness and in obedience is spiritual strength. And God will not call us to do that which he will not equip us for. Mary experienced God's favor. Mary believed God's word. And Mary accepted God's will. Let us go and be like Mary. Let's pray.